How we doing, Rob family? Awesome. Hey, just started the Mexican wave already. You're classic. <laughs> uh, it's awesome to, uh, to speak to you tonight. And, and I, I really am praying that tonight we, we will feel built in order to build as part of his kingdom. In order that we can um, come into a greater reality of what God has uh, available for us as we enter uh, into deeper relationship, into intimacy with him. And so uh, I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, for those of you who were here the last time that I spoke, um, I started a, a little series on knowing him uh, with, the, uh, with the title I Am. And uh, we're looking at the scripture of Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Um, and uh, I'll just reread that out again for you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And God was um, revealing to, to my heart. He said, um, a, lot of, a lot of people don't read that scripture um, the way in which it's, it's meant to be read, Sai. And I said, God, why is that? Why, why, what is it that you're wanting to show me? And he said, note the fact that it only says fruit, not fruits. So many of us treat this scripture as if it's to do with fruits, as if I can pick from uh, the, the fruit of patience whenever I need patience the most, or I pick from the, the, the fruit of, of peace because uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a real pickle and I need your peace right now. And God said, no. No, the, the very thing which I want people to experience is the very fruit. That is all nine of them in one fruit. So when you come to me, when you want of, 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 of more, you want more of me. You know, you're not just wanting one small aspect. You can't just grab that small aspect. I want to give you the full McCoy. I want to give you everything. And so uh, I spoke to, uh, spoke to you last time on, uh, on love specifically. And we spoke about the fact that God is a God of compassionate love. And I, I, I spoke to you guys about the relationship between Naomi and Ruth and how Ruth was um, just completely submissive, uh, sub, submitted to uh, her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law was, was a better woman. She, she, she had a lot of things happen in her life, but she said, no, I will choose to walk with you. I will choose to love you. Um, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And and, and that was just an incre incredible uh, area of compassionate love. We then looked at the, the Samaritan and how that was a, a typology of, of clashing of cultures between a Samaritan and a, and a Jew and the way in which we, we're called to laugh. I then said God is a, uh, gives a love that disciplines. And we looked at King David and the fact that King David recognized in his own life that, um, that the Lord chastised him. The Lord disciplined him because of his faithfulness towards him, because of how much he loved him, because of how much he loved his people and how much he wanted the very best for them. And then I spoke on the fact that God, God's love is one of desire and partnership. And when we look at the very beginning of time in the garden, even to now, God's desire has always been for intimacy. God's desire has always been for relationship, that we could walk together closely in communication just talking as if we were the best of friends, but more so that we would be coming into the church, which will then be the bride of Christ. And so tonight, I want to share with you about joy. 
This is the next thing that, that God wants to, to, for you guys to, to come into a greater, uh, a greater revelation of, but also something that he wants you to walk into uh, with fullness. And it's something that we often uh, get mistaken with happiness. We often get that mistaken with happiness, but it's something which is completely different. You see, I don't believe that God is calling us to be a group of happy Christians, but a people which are full of his joy. And that joy is something which overflows onto people who don't have joy. Happy Christians are susceptible to being swayed by circumstances because happiness is something which is, can only be found in the momentary. Whereas joy is something that we can have for a lifetime. It's depth. It's a gift. I'll give you some examples. I'm happy that I get to see Tottenham do the double over Liverpool this season. I'm happy when I get to put my fat pants on, when I get to put my hoodie on and watch my favorite TV shows. I'm happy when I have the day of just being able to eat all day from Mike's famous chocolate self-sourcing pudding. If you haven't tried it, you need to try it. And the list could go on. The list could go on. But joy is something which is, some, which is completely different to happiness. You see, joy in the biblical context, it's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Joy is an attitude of the heart. Joy is an attitude of the heart. Do you know, and it's, it, joy is not even necessarily something which is based upon a, 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 positive, um, a positive happening in our life. It doesn't have to be stemmed from that, that positive thing. Joy is something that lasts. Happiness is something that is temporary. When happiness fades away, joy is supposed to remain. Joy is something that is bigger than you and I in our current circumstances, in our current situations. Joy brings us a peace in the middle of a storm. Joy is something that God deposits to us through his Holy Spirit. And the enemy will try everything in his power to steal your joy because it's that important. This is the same as the rest of the things. You know, if, if, we, if we're to put on love, God will try to attack that very thing. Because love, is to, love brings unity. Love, love brings compassion. Love brings that thing which will take people out of a darkness into light. And in the same way, he wants to rob us of, of, us, of our joy because he believes we should be in a constant state of grief for the things that we've caused harm to God. But that's not what God wants. You see, on the other hand as well, the enemy will tempt you with things that will temporarily give you happiness but at the same time, will drift you away from God. So how is it that we can stay in a constant place of joy? And I want us just to, to, to take us uh, through uh, two key scriptures tonight. And I've only got uh, a couple of points, which I, I, I really think are the, the crux of us staying in this constant place of joy. And it is all about being plugged into the Father, being plugged into who He is. So um, come with me to Nehemiah 8. And um, I'm going to be looking specifically at verse 10. But, um, but take a read through from verse 1 to 9 as well. And um, to give you context into, uh, into, this, uh, into this story. Uh, so Nehemiah has uh, rebuilt the city. And uh, as part of, uh, a part of this, he's created a place called the Watergate, which is a, a gathering spot, uh, a... Um, a square where people can gather in order to hear the word of God. 
And the Israelites uh, are, in this, are in a place of, of, of just complete hunger for the word of God. They're wanting more uh, of, of what God has to show to them. And so they say to the scribe Ezra, they say, show us, teach us, speak out the word of God to us. There is a hunger. And so it says in the scripture, those who, um, who had a, an ear to hear, those people who, were, who, could, who could grasp, who could understand the word, sat and listening. And Ezra would stand up on a platform, would open the word of God, would open the book of the law and would start to speak. And as he's speaking, the, uh, there's, there's a group of Levites that are, are on the floor. And you can imagine the Israelites are in, in groups on the floor and, and, and in packs. And, and there's the, the Levites and they're, they're going around. They're going through to, to every, all the different people. And they're sharing the, uh, the truth. They're sharing what it is that, um, that Ezra is speaking of. And he's revealing these, these, uh, they're revealing these truths that, uh, that Ezra is speaking about. And in doing this, through the, through the action of this, the people are being awakened to the truth. You know, I'm just amazed, you know, we, we, we use Romans 10, 17, again, just in this instance. Just, where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. And as Ezra was proclaiming the book of the law, as he was proclaiming it over the people, God was piercing people's hearts, convicting people, bringing truth into this situation. They felt the edge of the law of God like a sword opening up their hearts, tearing down old mindsets, cutting away at false living and killing the old self. And this is where we, we pick up in verse 10. Then he said to them, go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, Nehemiah, the governor of the people, Ezra and, and the Levites who were teaching the people, recognizing that the Israelites were repentant for the ways in which they, they lived, repentant for, for the decisions which they'd made up to now. They, they saw the repentant heart. They saw the, the penitent heart. And made that decision to say, you're not to stay in that place, but you're to stand. You're to rejoice for the revelation that God has revealed to you through the word of God. You're to stand up. You're to rejoice. You're to press in and step into this area of joy that is to be your strength and that comes from God. You know, we can so often as believers sit in a place of sorrow. We can sit in a place of grief or, or regret and forget that God is not the one who's calling us to stay in that place. We can be repentant. We can be in that place. But God is not looking for, for people who will, would stay in a grieving state, but for us to raise our eyes up, to take a position of a son and to walk into joy, walk into the revelation that God has for us. And so my first point is that conviction or a place of surrender to God is key for us to step into and to have a release upon us of an attitude of joy. We must surrender that which God is convicting us of 
And in the place of surrendering that old mindset, surrendering that place of, of wrong thinking, walk into that revelation that God has for us and not be downcast about living in that old place. Not be downcast about having that, that wrong mindset, but walk into the joy that God has prepared for us in this newness. And we're called to be a people that walk from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we can only do that if we come into that place of, of repentance, recognizing that that wasn't right, but then moving into that place of joy, moving into that place that he has for us. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for over 17 years of my life, and I would say only in the last two, three years am I finding myself being convicted whenever I pick this up. And that's what I love about this word, is that we could, we could so easily get sensitive. We could so easily get downcast or, or cut down by, by God revealing to us new truths, revealing to us things that are completely, completely different to what the, the, to, to the position in which we're in right now. But it's to empower us. It's to convict us. It's to take us to another, uh, another level in him, not to keep us in a downcast spirit. And so what I love is that I've been holding on to things for all those years, 17 years, and what I thought was to be true. And now I'm walking into new truths as I open this word and I say, Holy Spirit, just reveal something which is not uh, in my current in my current uh, uh, scope of thinking, not in my current understanding of who you are. Reveal something new to me today, Father. And that might be something that is um, that I, I go back to, which is old, but there's newness that comes from it. There's, there's, there's freshness. And as I enter into that freshness, I don't carry a, a, a spirit of regret for, for living in the old, but I choose to walk into the new. I choose to walk with joy, into what he's revealing. And that's what the Father is wanting to, to do to us. You know, Greg was saying this morning, you know, sometimes we can, we're often focusing on our stuff. And, and as we focus more on, on the bad, we can find ourselves being more and more entangled in that place. But we need to change our focus. We need to change our focus from grief and from a place of, of, of regret to a place of joy. We're called as believers to rise up and rejoice of the revelation and the faithfulness that God has to reveal that to us. He's, has, he's so faithful to reach into our circumstances and take us to that new place of revelation in knowing him. I'm always taken back to when I first gave my life to Christ. And I'm sure you guys can, can just imagine, you know, people that you come into contact with, when they first give their life to Christ, what is it that's on them? that they carry. There's a, there's a buzz. There's, there's something incredible uh, on, the, on them that is, is so, uh, so powerful to anyone who comes into their, uh, into their presence. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes God is wanting, us, wanting to take us back to, to, to that place of just complete joy, of complete recognition. You know, when I think about when Christ came into my life, just to think that once my sins were something that provoked God. But now, thanks to Jesus, they're blotted out. None of them remain anymore. Amazing grace now covers me. And I'm covered in his blood. And I'm made righteous in his eyes. That is good news. And as we come into that place of just 
of realizing that good news over our life. It's joy. It's joy that's being built up. It's joy of realization of, of what we're stepping into, the newness. It's such good news. Such good news. You know, that may look different to everybody. My wife was, was saying to me, you know, we're, we're not called to, to be false in the way in which we present our joy. And I completely agree with that. Sometimes we can completely um, soup it up. We can, um, yeah, go over the top. And it can be a, a, a false sense of joy which we present to the world. And that's not something that God is wanting. Joy will look different in so many ways. But it is to produce a rejoicing that we do not hold back from sharing with others. I think of Romans 1, 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. But it is, it is the good news of God for salvation available for everyone. First to the Jews but also to the Greeks. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the joy which is in my life. Don't ever be ashamed of the joy which God has given you. Don't be robbed of the joy which God first gave you when he showed himself and revealed himself to you. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. And I love the, the, uh, the theme that comes out of this um, in the NASB, it says, Jesus, the example. So we've, we've spoken about the fact that conviction, a place of surrender to God, is key to stepping into and releasing us to an attitude of God. And now we have the example of Jesus Christ to be our example of how we are to usher this attitude of joy starting at verse 1 therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I can't imagine when I pick up that scripture, I go, for it was with joy. And when I say, it's like, how on earth is it joy? How, how on earth was it joy for Christ to go to the cross? You can just imagine him up on the cross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm joyful. Yeah, just stick it in. Stick that nail in deeper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm feeling great up here right now. No, no. It says for the, the joy set before him. He, he had vision. He had sight of something that was greater, something that was far bigger. He saw the bigger picture of why he was going to the cross. Because it, it goes on to say that he endured the cross. He saw the, the, the task that was ahead of him that needed to be accomplished in order that the very task, the very joy that was going to be released and was set before him would come into place. And I think we, we're in a, in a time and... and uh, I, I'm, I'm discovering this more. There's a, there's a, a whole lot more to, to the joy which was set before Christ, which I don't know. 
which I'm walking into. A small glimpse of, of what, I, what I believe and what I see is that the joy set before him was being able to say to you and I, your sins are forgiven. And that just encompasses more and more of the love of God that he has for us. Even though while he was living countless times, it was his desire to say, but your sins are forgiven. You think of the woman who was caught in adultery. You think of the woman who poured out precious perfume. Countless times he says that. But I think there's something far greater as well that he wants to reveal to us that is, is far greater beyond our own knowledge. But Jesus, in all that he did, he said, I do always those things that please the Father. The joy set before Christ was not going to the cross, but the eternal mission that the Father had given him. My second point, Jesus had his eyes fixed on the Father. And in doing so, joy was released to him to see the bigger picture. I had pleasure um, while I was over in the UK of um, spending a bit of time in the um, Soul Survivor Ministry with uh, Mike uh, Pilavachi and um, just sitting under awesome worship of Tim Hughes and, and Matt Redman. And I was there a night when Matt Redman was sharing um, his testimony um, and in particular the, the, uh, the circumstances that led him to write Blessed Be Your Name. It's a song that a lot of us know. It's a song that a lot of us um, take a lot of refuge in when times are difficult, when times are tough. Um, we press in more and more to you, God. Blessed be your name. Even though times are difficult, even though times are tough, Lord, blessed be your name. And um, part of his testimony, which he's also got online, he's got an ex excerpt which, uh, which helped him write that whole line of you give and take away. And uh, I just want to share this testimony with you because it, I just felt God say that there are people in this room that are, are in the same situation. But the attitude which both Matt and Beth had is incredible that, came from, that, that comes out of it. It reads, for the first seven years of my life, this is Matt speaking, I was a carefree and contented little, contented little boy. All that changed one night in March of 1981 when my dad died suddenly. It was a shocking time. And looking back now, I can still picture the moment that I was told of his death. A few years later, I found out that he'd actually committed suicide, which came as a bit of an aftershock and brought with it some more painful questions. Was it anything to do with me? Did he not love us enough to stay around? But by the grace of God, this painful season propelled me towards him and not away from him. A year or two later, my mum, herself a passionate follower of Christ, remarried. And at first it felt like I had a new father. However, a couple of years in, things turned sour. And we soon discovered that he wasn't the man of integrity and faithfulness he claimed to be. After mistreating us as a family and abusing my trust, he was forced to leave. And again, we found ourselves fatherless. In these dark seasons of my soul, uh, faith is either strengthened or broken. Contentment and trust 
build us up. Bitterness and complaint eat us up. History is full of people who chose the path of bitterness and found themselves in an even worse place than where they started. But wise worshippers know that the only healthy way ahead is to take all they know of God and turn it into trust and praise. By His grace, even in those early teenage years, I had seen enough to know that God was good and that time would tell He was in control. Looking back now, I can see His Father heart and His sovereign hand all over that season of my life. The passage of time has demonstrated what all along I knew to be true, that God is always closer and kinder than we know. He is a father to the fatherless. Beth also had a grueling childhood, bullied and abused by people she should have been able to trust. The key for both of us was that we'd seen enough of Jesus to enable us to endure. And while the enemy may have tried to use those bad circumstances to contradict the goodness of God in our minds and in our hearts, by the grace of God, we'd encountered him strongly enough to trust him, even even in seasons when nothing seemed to make sense. Blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering, though there be pain in the offering, blessed be your name. See, what I learned from that testimony is that our intimacy, our focus on God, our understanding of his goodness, of his kindness, of his majesty, of his delight in us, his desire for relationship with us. When we walk in that, we can go through circumstances, we can go through hardships, we can hit rough patches in our lives. But joy is this gift that God gives us. It's like grace. You know, it's not something that can be taken away from us. We can often put it away in a dark place because we, we sit in this, in, this, in this place of despair or, or we allow that to overcome us. But joy is to rise up. Joy is to come through because of our, our understanding, our knowledge, our knowing of Him. We need to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith so we can look beyond the circumstance. Intimacy with Jesus will help our spirit to overflow with an attitude of joy. When I fix my eyes on Jesus, what do I see? That's a question for us all. What do you see when you fix your eyes on Jesus? I started writing this out as I was taking a bit of time with with God this week. And I hope you don't mind if I just read it out kind of as a, as a poem. But Jesus is the one who is Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's the one who created the universe and holds it together. He's the one who always was and is and always will be. I see the one who is unmoved. I see the one who is unchanging. I see him undefeated and never outdone. He was bruised that I might be healed, and he died in order to give me life. He fought the battle against darkness to bring me into peace. He is light, he is love, he is my Lord. He is goodness, he is kindness, he is gentleness, and he is God. He is my joy, 
my comfort and my hope. I just want to welcome the, the team to come up. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I don't want us to leave here feeling downcast if we're in a place of regret or, or coming into a, a place of repentance, but we're not experiencing the other side or the joy. I want to apologize as a church leader if you've ever been put in a place where you've had that uh, area of conviction brought to your life, but you've been told to stay in that place and not walk in victory. That's not what God calls us to. God calls us to victory. God calls us into a place of joy. And so tonight, I want us to be ministered to, not by man, but by our Father, our Daddy God. Because He has things which He wants to reveal to you. He has things which He wants to convict you of. But He wants to recognize, wants you to recognize that He is to be your strength. He is to be your joy. He is to be your victory. And the beautiful thing is that when we reach that place of conviction, we don't stand alone. We don't have to do that on our own. And that's why I encourage you to, to walk with others. I love being convicted by His Word, but I also love the opportunity to walk with my brother. I will love the opportunity to, to walk with my sister. I love the opportunity to, to walk with my life group and say, hey, I've, I think I've got this wrong. And it's not to be my reality. But can you help me to, to walk in, in the truth? Can you help me to, to walk in the reality of what God is presenting to me? And so can I encourage you that from tonight, we're not to be a people who beat ourselves up. We're not to be people who waver in our relationship with God. Because God isn't calling us, remember, to be a, a people who are happy Christians. But to be a people who are full of His joy. Full of His joy. And we can walk in that fullness of joy as we walk together. As we contend for more and more of these things. Under this title of knowing Him. And we love each other. We love each other through that process. And we walk with each other. And what's so great is that tonight, after the service, we've got a baptism. Of somebody who's recognized the joy of the Lord in their life. They recognized that what they were walking in in the past was not the way that God wanted them to. But they're not going to linger in that. They're going to step into newness. They're going to step into the fullness of what God has for them. So let's worship God now. Let's press into Him to say, I want Him to minister to you. If you do want prayer though, you know, again, with the body, I want us to, to feel free to, to open ourselves up to, to others and to do that. Father God, I thank you. 
I thank you, Lord, that your joy is an attitude of the heart. Lord, it's not an emotion. Lord, it's not something that will is to waver like the wind or be blown down. But Lord, it is something that remains, that is strong, is lasting. I thank you that your joy came upon us, Lord, from the moment that you showed us to be the way, the truth, and the light. Father, I pray, Lord, that it doesn't stop there, but as we walk in intimacy with you, as we take this process of of sanctification, of coming more and more into the likeness of who you are, Lord God, you will take us into greater joy, into greater joy, Lord, because we're coming more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. We're we're becoming more and more into the spotless bride that you're wanting us to be as your church. Father, I take great delight. I, I take great joy in who you are. Father, we choose to fix our eyes upon you and not on the circumstance. Because as we fix our eyes on you, Lord God, there is joy, there is wholeness, there is hope. Thank you, Jesus.